This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Well, it's a uh, blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, Looking forward to to, uh, sharing some thoughts from the scriptures uh, with you this morning. Um, You know, I've been thinking about this this, uh, particular lesson for for quite some time, um, and uh, trying to think about the best way to approach it, the best way to, to talk about these things, and uh, finally settled on, on the theme of attention and distraction. I think that's a really important concept that the scriptures uh, constantly teach us and, and explains uh, to us over and over again, God trying to direct our minds to focus on something and, and to not get distracted. And so really this effort, honestly, uh, as I've thought about it and the reason that I've, I've thought uh, so deeply about this is because it's an effort to understand f- for, for my own life like what really matters um, and, and be better at paying attention to those things that actually matter. Uh, now when you think about these terms attention and distraction, you look at the definitions, you look at the root words, you look at, at the meanings behind them. Um, really attention uh, means your mind and actions are directed towards something whether it's just a mental thing you're paying attention, you're focusing right now, hopefully we're paying attention to uh, the, the, the screen and the sermon, but things happen and it pulls us away, right? Uh, there's, there, there's things that happen and that's a distraction. So distraction means that your mind and actions are now pulled in a different direction away from something. And so if you think about it, think about it moving towards and forward some, uh, towards something in, in just in relation to uh, a, a direction that you're moving in, and distraction pulls you away. I think about the phrase or the verse that Jesus talks about. He says, keep your hand to the plow and don't look back. If, you're, if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Why? Because if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you have your hand to the plow, you're guiding the, the plow. That's the concept. And if you look back, you're now distracted and you're going to be turning in a different direction and going off course. That's the idea. And so, attention, moving towards something, distraction, you're moving away from that something. Now, for Christians, the tension between these two things is summarized really well, of course, by Jesus in Luke chapter 12. He says, seek not, and when you think of seeking, you're moving towards something. You're, you're, pay, you're focused on it, you're paying attention to it, you're moving towards that, you're directing your mind and your actions towards a specific thing. He says, seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Neither be of doubtful mind. And in Matthew, the parallel verse, he says, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or wherewithal we shall be clothed. So the necessities of life. He says, don't seek after those things and be so focused on that. He's for, the, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added to you. So God will bless us with the things that we need to be sustained but he says we should rather, instead of seeking those things and putting attention and moving towards that, uh, to instead, our goal as Christians should be to seek and put our attention and focus on moving towards the kingdom of God. That's what our life and our attention and our focus should be directed on, and that's what our energy is focused on. The other things, the things that we shall eat or drink or be clothed and all the necessities of life, become a distraction. It pulls us away from seeking the kingdom of God because we start... If we're focused on the kingdom and not on the, these other things, uh, we're, we're on track. But as soon as we start focusing on those necessities, it's just very powerful and it's, it's very difficult for sure. But as soon as we start doing that, we're now pulling in a different direction than seeking the kingdom. Um, now, the blessing is that we're not going to be missing out on the things that we need because God knows that we need it and he's going to provide those things for us. <clears throat> um, and... Uh, we should be seeking that kingdom, however we lose focus. And here's a major problem and a major issue that makes it worse. It's not just that we have a tendency as people to be distracted by those things, the things that we eat and drink and the things that we're going to be clothed with and the necessities of life and the cares of this world. It's, it's bad enough that we suffer from those types of uh, distractions and the, and the ability to lose focus so easily um, and be... And, and have our, our life beset by these things. It's made a lot worse because that's the world we live in. He says, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. 
The world is constantly pursuing those things, the things we shall eat, the things we shall drink, the things we shall be clothed with, all the pleasures of this life, the cares of this world, the riches of this life. All the things, that's what the nation, the nations of this world are attentive to and putting their energy and their mind and their focus towards. And we are highly influenced by this behavior. We really are. We already, again, already struggle with it and already have a, a difficult time with it, but it's made much worse because that's the world we live in. And I think the first step in understanding this ability to, to have attention and, and limit distractions comes from just understanding that. And, you know, it, it, it becomes really apparent when you think about just, uh, it becomes really apparent how much of a danger this is when you think about just the history of, of the world we live in and, and, and goods and providing these things that we shall eat and drink and be clothed with and all the things that we purchase and, and want and get more and more of. Um, so I want to start by just setting a little bit of context to understand the danger we're, we're all facing right now. And it's even at this moment. We're all facing it, and you may be feeling it right at this very moment, this, this pull to be distracted, this, this feeling that you have, and it's pulling away your attention. Um, there's something that, that is happening for sure in all of us. But we live in a world of more. The nations of this world are seeking more and want more of these things. And that is the world and the time period that we live in right now. More, 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 more. It's happened in every age, but it's, it's made exponentially worse for us now. And I'll show you here why in just a moment. But just historically, the way things have worked as far as goods and, and services and supply and demand and distributing these things to, throughout the world, I mean, goods used to be slow to make. I mean, go back to, the, to way before, like in the, before the Industrial Revolution and before you know, the advancement of, of technology. You go back to, to you know, Bible times. What were people doing? How did you get stuff that you needed? You had to find somebody who was a craftsman, who was making those things. Think of Paul. He was a tent maker. It was a craft that he, that he learned. It was a discipline that he learned, and so oftentimes you had to become an apprentice, and you work with somebody, and you learn these tool, this trade, and you are focused on just that one thing, and you make those things. So goods, all kinds of goods, were slow to make because it was all done by hand, one at a time, and it was limited by the number of craftsmen there were, right? And then it was also slow to distribute. Now, over time, logistics and supply chains and all that has, has been refined, um, even in ancient times, you know, you can think about the Egyptians. They, they had some, you know, obviously they had something figured out in the system because they made these giant pyramids and, you know, it was all powered by people. But even then, it was slow to distribute. I mean, they weren't putting up those pyramids as fast as we can put up a Walmart today, right? It was slow. And then getting those goods to people was slow. And shipping and literally putting these on, on giant ships and carrying it across the ocean took a long time. And then advances in technology come along at different phases uh, of, of that development in, in industry. Uh, you know, steam engines or the printing press. Uh, let's take printing for example. Printing used to be really slow to make. One copy at a time and you had to do all the typesetting and you had these blocks with the, with the thing. Even before that it was, you know, handwritten copies. Um, that's how printing worked. Gutenberg Press comes along and makes this process automated and makes it scalable and you're able to do more and print more at a faster rate and so goods become faster to make. And then they become faster to distribute with the advancements in, in technology like automotives and, and trucks and all these things that, that have come along the way to help us to increase this output for goods. Things are faster to make, things are faster to distribute every time there's technology and innovation that is introduced into the system. And with that comes higher expectations. So this is just a constant cycle that we're going through as, as in humanity, as far as the goods and the services. So think about that in context of what Jesus says. The, the nations of the world seek after these things, and the world we live in today is just exponentially faster to make things and faster to distribute things than ever before. And it's getting higher and higher as far as expectations. Companies want more. Uh, they want more money. They want uh, more, more things. Consumers especially have higher expectations. We want more stuff. We want it to be cheaper. Uh, we want more of the cheap stuff, and we want it fast. We want it same day shipping. 
If I order something on Amazon, I want it to be at home by the time I get home. Like, we, we just have these expectations that are set now, and so it, it, really, it really is a problem. And we are trapped in this time period and in this world where, where we're just obsessed with that output and those expectations. And so, so we want all of that. And there's industry pressure to keep up, right? Because with these technology advancements, employers expect their employees to be able to do a lot more. And so they put pressure on people. People are feeling that pressure to do more, do more, do more. And this is a chart that just shows the output per hour. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they measured these things, but I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting uh, chart that shows the output per hour. Back in the 1700s, starting with like the printing press, there's, it, output is pretty low. And then you start getting more things, more things, more things, more technology advancements, and then you get the internet, and then it just skyrockets. And it continues on uh, to this day, just continues to be crazy expectations of output that people should have. Um, you know, being in the creative space and as a, as a designer, with the advancement of AI now, you can just type a sentence and have something created. You can, you can create a whole image. In fact, the background that I, that I use for the sermon, I made it with an AI thing, an AI tool, just typed in a sentence and it, it created a whole image for you. And so because of that, there's great expectations for you to keep up, for me to keep up as a designer. And in some ways people think, are afraid, in, in, at least in my field and other fields, people are afraid that it's gonna make us obsolete because a machine can do it much faster. And so there's a lot of pressure to keep up. There's a lot of things that, that employers expect. They want more, they want, to, they want more with less. Uh, scaling is a big buzzword in, 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 in any industry. Scale, scale, we want to do more, we want to ship more, we want to make more, and we want it faster, we want it cheaper. And individuals feel that pressure to keep up, and so think about just humans in general, we're feeling a ton of pressure to just keep up with everything that's going on. And, and this is the world that we are living in right now, all of us. Tons of, there's high expectations, high pressure. There's, there's a lot going on. Now, with that has come wealth. This, this red line is the GDP per capita. As industry advances, as technology happens, you see that the trend line is pretty similar. And so technology advancements, expectations advance, and income and GDP and wealth also advances. And so it's easy to see that we live in one of the most wealthy, prosperous times in history in even re recent history, looking at, looking at it from that perspective. And it's because of these technology advances. So there's been some positive things, but there's also some very negative things, and especially for Christians. It's very negative because we feel that pressure. It affects our lives. It influences us to be distracted and focus on those things. What shall we eat? What shall we be clothed with? What shall we... And now, it's not just those things. There's a lot more that's going on that are, that are distractions for us, and I want to talk about the introduction of social media into this technological advancement. The iPhone wasn't... In, so the Internet happened right here in the, in the 90s. Um, and then as far as broader access to the public. Then the iPhone happened like 2007. It's when the, the iPhone was introduced. The first smartphone, this, a, a screen in your hand that you could access the Internet with. So before you had to have a computer. And that's, you had to go and set time aside and sit down at the computer and you could go on about your life, you could drive off and you didn't have a computer. Surprisingly, I grew up in a house without a, a internet access and, com and a computer. And it was nice. And I didn't have a, a, a phone at all until I was 18. Um, uh, and even then it was a, what we call now a dumb phone. And now I'm not so sure that it's that dumb. Um, but a smartphone is introduced, it's capable of doing all these things, gives you access to the internet, it makes access easy and available for, for lots of people. And you, if you see the distribution charts of, the, of smartphone production, it's like in 2008, it was like 1.7 million uh, per year, and then it goes up to trillions as time goes on, it, you know, over the last 10 years um, or more. But when that happened, that made access to social media more broadly available, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm calling it social media, but just phones in general, screens in general. We have more access, greater access, and the, the idea is that you're more connected than ever. 
and that's that's the pitch that you know that's why we have these things right and I just I just got an email so that that's that's a real problem um, these platforms uh, when we when we're talking about social media in this in this timeline they are designed to distract you um, and, and not just social media, any app that you use, some of them are for pro productivity and they try to be thoughtful about that and they want to make it useful. So some of that stuff doesn't have the addictive, as addictive properties, but screens in general do. Phones, the way they're designed, the social media particularly, the way it's designed, is designed to distract you. They want you to not be paying attention to what's going on around. They want you to be paying attention to your screen. And here's how they do it. To give you some insight from a design perspective, millions of dollars is poured into research. And a lot of times, uh, designers enter the field coming from psychology backgrounds. Because if you understand human behavior, you can understand how to design an interface to make it more attractive, to make it more useful, to make it more appealing, to make it harder to, to, uh, to make it more addictive, to make it harder to put down. And so, if you, it, so all of these concepts, when we're looking at our phones, these companies have spent millions and millions of dollars researching these things, fine-tuning it to, to exploit your human behaviors. That's what they're doing. They're exploiting human behaviors to make it profitable for them. Now, how do they do that? Well, they give you a sense, a sense of connection. That's why when you log on to these platforms and all the connections you have, they're called friends. Because it sounds friendly, it's, it sounds great, it's, it's positive, it's always put in positive terms. You ha so you have a sense of connection with people. Oh, they're my friends, and then you have followers, people who follow you, and then there's all kinds of other measures, subscribers, and all these things, okay? So it gives you a sense of connection. Then it gives you a sense of validation and value. And the way they drive that is by the likes, the like button. Such a simple, such a simple little icon, a little button, that has caused a, t a tremendous amount of problems. Likes, comments, shares, it gives you validation. It gives you value, it drives that. They know that. Entertainment. There's stories, there's shorts, there's reels, there's videos, there's images, there's all kinds of games, there's all types of things that they introduce into these platforms to keep your focus and attention on these screens. And this is just a small snippet of the things that they do and the thought process behind it. But the way it works is this, they build the platforms with these things in mind and all the things that, that you interact with have some sense of connection to these, to these concepts. And what it does is it elicits, when you're using that and when you're experiencing those apps, it's creating a dopamine response in your brain. Like literally in your brain, it is releasing a feel-good chemical in small, short bursts. And so it's a positive reinforcement loop that they have set up. And it's a loop because you go and use these things, then you feel really good about it, you feel happy. Oh, I got a new friend. Great, oh, somebody liked my post and there's a comment. Oh, look how many people are sharing it. And there's a new story. Oh, I love watching these stories. Oh, look at this reel. That's so funny. It's hilarious. Look at this video. We're stuck on the screen and it feels great. And so we feel that positive reinforcement. So what do we do? We do more of it. And it gives us the dopamine response and we do more of it. And it gives us dopamine response and we do more of it. They're exploiting this. All the, all the phone designers and the app designers and all, they're exploiting this and keeping you in this loop because your attention is worth billions of dollars. It's driving an industry, an advertising industry. And the more you, your, your eyes are locked onto this screen, they call it impressions. When you run an ad, it's like how many impressions? That means how many times did it show up in somebody's screen? They measure their success of, of, you know, by those kinds of numbers, daily active users, monthly active users, weekly active users, and there's a reason that the tech world calls their customers users, and the drug industry does too, right? Because it's addictive, and it's a drug, and it's having similar, similar uh, rea chemical reactions in your body as, 
as drugs are. And it feels good, and so we do it more and more and more, and we get addicted, and we can't put the screens down. And this is just a byproduct. Uh, and again, your, your attention is a commodity that they trade and they sell to advertisers, and that's exactly how social media is designed. And it's a product of this world that we live in that wants more and more and more and more. And we're stuck in this cycle. And Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 rightly says, He that loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Solomon gave himself over to pursue all kinds of pleasures, to find out everything under the sun. And at the end of the day, he realized and saw and said, you're not going to be happy chasing those things. It's not going to satisfy you the way you think it will. Pursuing more, more, and more is not going to fill the void that we're trying to fill. It's vanity. That's what Solomon said. And the effects of the culture that we're living in are devastating. I've got, a, a, I've got some more charts to show. Because the more and more and more culture is causing us to be so unhappy. We think we're going to be happy. We think we're going to be satisfied seeking more that the world has to offer and, and, and seeking after those things instead of seeking the kingdom. We think that's going to help us and make us feel good and make us feel great and make us happier, but it's actually killing us. If you look at the depression rates, this is a percentage of the population with a major depressive episode between 2008 to 2020. Now it's relatively low, relatively low. Remember iPhone was introduced in 2007 and then it just kind of explodes. I think there's a correlation. I'm not a data, data scientist, but I don't think it take, takes being a data scientist to see this correlation. The more access to technology we've had, the more pressure, the more technology advances, the more expectations there are. Look at the depression rates, the depressive episodes that are happening. And these are the age groups. Orange line is 26 and older. The blue line is ages, between ages 18 to 25. And look at the 12 through 17. Younger and younger generations are impacted by this, and it's devastating. So older people are impacted by it too, but particularly young people. Why? Because young people, it, they call it mobile native. That means you're, you just grew up with a device in your hand. You don't even know any different. It's just a part of your life. And if I saw some other research and other data that shows in a survey of, of 13 to 17-year-olds that they just always had a device, and they check it every five minutes or, or less. So it's, it's insane. It's, it's, it's devastating because what's happening in these age groups and younger and younger people is they're stuck on these apps, they're stuck on the screens, and they're stuck on social media, and it's causing them to hate themselves and hate their lives. It's not satisfying them the way they think it is. This chart shows the, the percentage of teen girls between 2019 and 2021 experiencing suicidal thoughts and behaviors and the numbers jump up from 2019 to 2021. And I'm sure there's other charts we could probably find that show a, a, a trend line that's similar. Teen girls in particular are vulnerable to this, but, but everyone is. Young boys, young girls, adults, we're all vulnerable to this. Now, I found some more information and more data that's interesting so that you know that I'm not just making these things up, that social media is detrimental. If you look at the company's own research I'm going to show you a few charts from Instagram. And I'm not picking on Instagram because there's all kinds of apps. I'm just using them as an example because they're the ones who put their information out there publicly. So they know that it causes issues for teen girls. They know that the app does that. They make body issues worse for one in three teen girls. And there's all kinds of other issues that they're experiencing. Teen boys, anxiety, social comparison, sleep issues, FOMO, body image is a huge issue and fear of missing out from your social circles. These are the problems that are impacting young people in particular, but everybody who's using these apps. We get stuck on these things and then we start experiencing these problems and there's a reason that these, these suicidal thoughts and behaviors and attempts are so high 
among teen girls in particularly, because they're comparing themselves to all the other girls on the phone. And boys, when they're using it, are comparing themselves to all the other, other boys on the phone. And it's interesting because the boys t tend to care. The research apparently shows that it, while, while young boys uh, and men in general tend to have trouble with body image issues, it's more related to money and clothing and the way they look and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, but girls really suffer from that. So anxiety is through the roof. Eating disorders are through the roof. And they know that this is the problem. And this is how they bucket it into harm in three categories. Impact from comparing yourself to other people. All the influencers, you have to match that. Your popularity uh, competitions, you have to look a certain way. It causes self-esteem, anxiety, and insecurity in, in people. They know that there's pressure from how you look, how you appear. You have to have a curated image. You have to, you have to present yourself in a certain way. Otherwise, you're going to be isolated, but it makes you feel isolated. It makes you adopt unhealthy habits. There's also impact from other people's behavior. Fear of missing out, bullying, people calling you names, people not liking your, your post, people unfollowing it. It makes you feel depressed when people don't like what you have, so then you feel isolated, you feel lonely, you feel depressed. These are three major buckets of problems that they know and they are aware of. And notice this, just the headline, the perfect image, like presenting yourself as a perfect person, feeling attractive, and having enough money are most likely to have started on Instagram of the group that they surveyed. It's most likely to have started with using the app. Now, here's the kicker. People experiencing these, these problems, they feel lonely, they want to hurt themselves, they can't be honest about their real lives, they, they always have to be on and always have to be happy, they have connections that aren't really their friends, don't have enough friends, they don't make enough money, they're not attractive, they, they're not good enough. When they're experiencing those feelings, where do they turn to make themselves feel better? Well, they're stuck in that dopamine loop, so they go right back to the app. This is a density chart. Really just notice the dark side of this over here. And, and maybe, no pun intended, but that's interesting. Uh, they use Instagram to make, take their mind off of the negative feelings that they're having and to distract from that experience. Suicidal and, and self-injury uh, self thoughts. Body image, loneliness, social comparison, financial stress, work stress, family stress, sadness and depression, anxiety, sleep problems, problematic social media use, like addictive behaviors and of, of social media, eating problems, fear of missing out. When they want to escape these things that are happening and these feelings they're experiencing, they turn right back to the app to distract themselves from that because they're stuck in the dopamine loop. And it's destructive and it's dangerous and it's hurting us all. And it's particularly hurting young people and it's not a good idea to just freely hand screens over to our kids and just let them have un, you know, unfettered access or unlimited access to screens because it's destroying brain development. It is changing our brain. And what it's changing, not just social media, but media and screens in general, it's impairing our ability to, de to, to delay gratification because we want it now. We expect it now. And if we don't get it now, we're going to be mad. We're going to be irritated. We can't be... We, we just can't, you know, control ourselves. That's the problem that is happening, and that's the world that we live in. And I know there's a lot of charts and a lot of information there, but, but I think it's important for us to realize that these are the issues going on, and now multiply that by the number of social media apps that we have installed on our phones, and the number of apps that we use on a daily basis, and the number of screens that are right in front of our faces on a daily basis. And it really, honestly, makes me think of the prodigal son. Because, you think about it this way, <clears throat> he thought that the world had something, that, that, something to offer him. He thought it had the connections and the friends, and he thought it had the ways to make him feel good, and, and it did. It did. But they just wanted to exploit him for his money. Right? When they took all his money, were they there for him? When the prodigal son was eating pig slop, wishing, wish, he wasn't even eating. He just wished that he had the food that the pigs were eating. And he had nothing, and he was all alone, had no real connections, had no real value in his life. He lost all the earthly stuff, and he finally realized, what I needed, I already had. 
And where was it? It was with his father. He had it all along. And so he realized that and says, I'm going to go back. I've got to go back to the father because that's where, where I should have been in the first place. He should have been focused and seeking those things and being content and being happy and dwelling there with his father. And, and instead, he experienced this, this horrible experience of, of losing it all. And, and I think that's, what we're, that's what's happening to us. If we think the world has what we need, we are going to end up like the prodigal son, all alone, disconnected, lonely, frustrated, empty, spent, burnt out, and with nowhere to turn but to God. And, and so despite being told that we can achieve much more and we can output more, we're more stressed than ever. Despite having more abundance in this world and the GDP has gone up and everyone's wealthier, we're more, de- we're more depressed than ever before. Despite the lie that we're more connected now because of the internet, we're more disconnected and lonelier than ever. That's just the truth. Now we're in a situation where we're, we're inundated with this pressure all around. And I think about what Jesus says in Luke 8, 14. He says, that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, they go forth, they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. When, in the context of thinking about this, this, uh, this sermon, I realized that's us in the time period we're living in right now. All of us. All Christians all people in, in this world, we've been, we're cast into this place with thorns surrounding us, and we're inundated. We're, we're surrounded by these things. And we are easily choked with cares and riches and pleasures. And then what happens to us as Christians? We become unproductive because we're disconnected. We're feeling down. We're feeling depressed. We don't have our hand to the plow. We're distracted, and therefore, we bring no fruit to perfection. We're not producing good fruit in the kingdom because we're being choked out by thorns, and that's the time period we live in, and that's why it's so important for us to understand the real dangers that we have surrounding us all the time and that we're carrying with us all the time. We're carrying a a ticking time bomb, a loaded gun, with us all the time. And then imagine that we just hand that to to our our kids and and teens who just don't know how how to control themselves just yet. And we're not any better as adults. <laughs> we can't do it either. It's hard. Think about what happens. This is another example from the scriptures. Think about what happened to the Israelites when they got distracted. They entered into the land of Canaan. They entered into a situation where they were wealthy. They were prosperous. They had, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And God told them, you're not going to have much need of anything. It's all there. It's provided. He gave that to them. It was a blessing for them. But he warned them and said, don't get distracted. Because if you do, you're going to forget me. And what happened? They were paying attention to God when things were tough, when things were good. Well, they could get pulled away and they're, they're distracted now. They're not focused on the right thing. They're not directing their attention to the right thing. And what happened, what was the result of that being distracted by riches and wealth? They committed fornication, adultery, they worshipped idols, they forsook the law, they ruined their children, and ultimately they were destroyed. That's the cycle they were in constantly. It seems kind of similar to what we experience and what we're experiencing now. Sin is on the rise. Idol worship on the rise. Forsaking the, the, the Bible is on the rise. Ruining our children is on the rise. We're destroying ourselves. We're killing ourselves. We're dying because of the thorns that are choking us out. So the question is, how should Christians navigate this? All that was really just a setup and introduction to, to talk about a few things here. How should Christians navigate this world that that we live in. We didn't ask to be put into this time period, but here we are. So we need to know what to do and, and how to handle this. And I constantly feel this pressure and, and ask myself, how do I keep up? How do I keep up with all this stuff? How do I do more? How do I... And I think the, I think the secret is, not that much of a secret, but the answer is we don't. Why? Why do we have to keep up with that? Yeah, we have to work. Absolutely. We have to work. We have to provide for our families. You know, we, we want, there's, there's goals that we might have, and those are, those are okay. Those aren't evil things to have. We need to have a, a you know, be productive and, and be responsible. But we don't have to keep up with the world. 
is, is the point. And that's what Jesus said. Don't seek after the things that the world is looking for, the nations are looking for. Instead, seek the kingdom. And it comes with, starting with, paying attention. Luke 21, 34, Jesus says, Take heed, pay attention to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of this life, and says that the day, that day, the day of judgment, comes upon you unaware. Because if we're so distracted by all the stuff and all the screens, imagine how many of us are going to be glued to a screen when Christ returns. <laughs> we're going to miss it, right? I mean, it'll be obvious, and we're not going to be able to not pay attention to it at that point. But, but pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to the motives that you have in participating in these things. Um, now, I'm, again, I'm not decrying uh, screens and social media and all. I mean, I make a living on screens. We've produced a lot of good using the technology at our disposal in our time for the church. How many, how many thousands of people? I was looking at the numbers. I was reviewing the numbers on just our YouTube channel. And we, we reached a benchmark uh, a few weeks ago of 30,000 views of our content. Now, compared to all the other people on YouTube, that's not like a lot, but that's a lot for us. 30,000 people at least clicked on our videos and, and watched some part of a message we're trying to put out there of the scriptures and trying to help them change their lives. And there's about, uh, there's about 11,000 hours of watch time of those 30,000. So 11,000 11, hours spent watching the sermons that we're putting out there. And again, that's just YouTube. So there's, a, there's an upside. There's a plus. There's a way to use these things for, for good and, and for helping us as a tool to spread the message of the kingdom. But, so, so I'm not decrying these things, but I'm saying we must pay attention and we must be very careful to these things. And instead of moving towards the world, let's move towards God. James 4 verse 8 says, draw nigh to him, get closer to God. And that's going to take focusing, looking at him, paying attention, and, and directing your focus and your attention towards him. And if you do that, he will be closer to you. That's how it works. You, you pay attention and draw closer to him, he will draw closer to you. And, and the next thing is practicing healthy habits of self-control. We have to have safeguards in our life. And we have, it, it is a real challenge and a real struggle. But I think the more we talk about it and the more we encourage each other, I think we can help each other with that. And I'll tell you, we've tried to do this in our home and we failed miserably. It's like, oh, we're going to turn the internet off at this time. And those impulses are so strong to, to avoid. And I think the thing that pulled us back in is there was a storm happening, and it's like, well, we need, to, we need to watch the weather. So we have to turn the Internet back on. And then it just stayed on. <laughs> so there's stuff that happens, and there's information that we might want or need that's convenient to have, but, but we need to be really careful and really mindful. And it's just going to take a tremendous amount of self-control, and that's something we have to develop and practice. And God tells us that all the time. We do have to practice that. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, he says this, He that hath no rule over his own spirit, if you have no self-control, is like a city that's broken down and without walls. You're defenseless, you're helpless, you're open to all attacks, anyone can come and overtake your city if you're a person that has no self-control. And so with a lack of self-control, Satan can just have his way with you. And he will, using the screens. We talked about the body image issues and all this stuff, but we didn't even touch the pornography issues and the, the epidemic of pornography that is happening because of phones and because of screens and, and because of access. It's terrible and it's dangerous and it's destroying us. And if we don't have safeguards, we don't have healthy habits, we are going to be overtaken and broken down and overcome by these things. So we have to establish healthy habits and practice those things. There's a lot of ways and probably ideas that we could, we could touch on and talk about, but um, but for time's sake, we'll move on. Understand having healthy habits. Make an honest assessment of your usage. Make an honest assessment of your time spent and, and then work on ways to try to, to limit that. It's incredibly difficult because of how addictive these things are and how much of these things become a habit and we seek that dopamine. And here's another thing that happens because of that dopamine response. We get so much stimulation from our devices and our phones 
and we're so happy when we're looking at it, and when we put it down and engage in real life, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's not as, this doesn't make me feel as happy. And so without even thinking about it, we compare and go, you know, I really don't like being around people. I'd rather just, I just want to be by myself. I want to be with my phone. I'm much more happy and much more safe. And really the reason we feel that way is because it's just a habit that we've built over time without even thinking about it. So put down the phones, lean into the awkwardness, be with people. Those are just much better things because real life is going to be far better than the virtual connections and the virtual reality that we live in. Real life is far superior, even though it's not going to feel like that when, you, when we first start weaning ourselves off of these things. Um, the, the, thirdly, reinforce those habits with deeper mindset changes. As Christians, that's a reason God gives us the, wor- the Word so we can transform our mind, so we can transform our thinking. He says, renew our mind, change our mind. There's verses like this in Colossians 3, 2, 1, 2 that t- tells us what our attention should be directed to. If you be risen with Christ, that means if you've been baptized into Christ and you've been raised up from, with Him in baptism, that's what he was talking about in chapter 2, he says if that's the case, then seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So our affection, the things we love, the things we value, the things we care about, we should love what has real value, and that is real life, not virtual reality, not a counterfeit for connections. There's no way you can substitute connection digitally. None. You can, you can connect with people, and you can send a message, and it's convenient, and it's great, but it's not a substitute for face-to-face, in-person time, being together. It's just not. Ask any teams who have had to be accustomed to remote work and spending time doing Zoom calls forever, ask any team that has gone through that if there's a difference when they actually meet in person with their teams. It's just better. Because you can't replace this. You can't replace being in a room with people. And that's a danger that we, we thought about and were aware of, and there's a very, the, the very reason that we don't live stream our services, and, and I'm, I'm not sure if we ever will, because we're not going to replace a physical, in-person connection that we get uh, you know, uh, from being here together. And it's dangerous for us to just let ourselves think that a virtual connection is a, a good replacement. Now, those things have their place. Those things have their use. We've used them at times when, when we've had to. So, so there's a, there's a, can be a bit of an upside and a positive side to it. Um, however, it, ju- it just can't be a replacement. We can't think that this is good enough and that's going to give us what we need because it ultimately won't. Um, so value what is, has real value, the things that are from above, especially. And don't value and measure your life by stuff, by comparing it to other people, by trying to get more, by trying to have more. Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Why? Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he has. Your life is not measured by the wealth. We, we like to do that in our world. What's your net worth? That's how much you are worth. That's not how much you're worth. Your physical assets, your dollar value, your bank accounts, your income has zero to do with your worth because your life is not measured by the things that you possess. It's measured by something much more, something deeper, something that has real value. It's measured by your, your, your virtue, your godliness, your, your pursuit of the kingdom of God. That's really what we're measured by. And we have an intrinsic value that, that money can't touch just because we're, we're a soul, because we, we're made in God's image. And we're not measured by the stuff that we have. And, and it's sad because we start to create those measures and we start to compare ourselves. The more we get, the more we compare ourselves to people in that range, and then it just becomes this unhealthy cycle where we're trapped in, in viewing life that way. And I know, I mean, we, we do that. We all suffer from that. And I'm just bringing awareness. I'm not... Um, this is just for awareness sake, and, and I'm speaking to myself more than anything. We should value godliness uh, along with what we have, because that's really what, mat- what matters, and being content. That's what Paul meant in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Sometimes we focus on the contentment and just say, well, be happy with what we have, and that's great gain. No. Be happy with what you have, great. But godliness is where it's at. That's the real value. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's going to be far better. You're going to be way more satisfied. You're going to be happier. And, and you know, not, it's not going to be easier. It's not going to magically make your life perfect. But it's going to make your life better. And you're going to have great gain because of it. And one more thought that comes to mind is uh, in this reinforcing these healthy habits and creating these positive, uh, these types of feedback loops in our life and, and engaging in these things and re-engaging in these things and getting value from that and breaking the cycle of screens and instead focusing on these real life things is, is seeking tranquility. You know, Timothy uh, was told in 1 Timothy 2 verse 2, he said to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. Now in the context, I think he's talking about persecutions and things that arise and getting ourselves involved. But I think there's a, a sense where it's like getting yourself way too involved in the, in the politics of the day and the, in the world and the cares of this life. He says, instead, pray that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life, tranquil, peaceful, in all godliness and honesty. That's what we need. We need to pray for godliness and honesty and quietness in our life. We don't need more. We need less. That's what we really need as Christians. We need less. And the way we can achieve that is by adopting, instead of a getting more mindset, is a giving more mindset. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And then one, an, another, uh, another thing, a fourth thing, is, I don't have a verse for this, but it's important that you surround yourself with real people in the church. Um, not, not just purely virtual connections. Now, Again, I'm not decrying those things. Those things have been useful. Those things can be helpful. We can send quick messages and we can you know, support each other quickly, all that kind of stuff. But, but make effort intentionally to surround yourself with real people in the church and, and get value from being a part of the body and physically present as part of the body. Uh, you, can't be a, you cannot be a, I can't have my hand be part of my body if it was cut off and I just said, oh, there's a connection. And I just lied to myself and there was a virtual connection between my hand and my body. That doesn't exist. That's not, that can't happen. And in, instead what will happen is that slowly over time, the hand will be deceived thinking, yeah, I'm connected to the body, but it's shriveling up and dying and withering away because it's not getting what it really needs. And that will happen to, to us if we are not connected with real people and, and we're just depending on virtual connections. So be connected with real Christians in your life and surround yourself with that because that's just another way to reinforce the, the things of real value. Um, and lastly, I think it's fundamental that we understand that, yes, we do need to work, but we need to remember our purpose and the real reason that we are in this world. It doesn't matter what time period we live in. The truth is the truth. Solomon said to seek the Lord, to obey His commandments. That was the whole duty of man. And in Colossians 3, verse 23, he says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that of the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. If we remember and center our lives around this and make that the foundation of life, that we are in this world with a purpose, we are Christians, we are here to serve the Lord, we are here to help other people in that pursuit, not to be distracted by the things that we'll eat and drink and the things that we'll wear and the possessions of this life. And if we keep ourselves fixed on that, our attention and our mind and our, and our body will be focused on moving in this direction, seeking the kingdom. We'll have what we need. God promises that. We'll have what we need. Um, but if we do that, we will be seeking the kingdom and not distracted and being pulled away from the kingdom. Um, those are my thoughts uh, for you this morning. Uh, just to quickly summarize, God wants us to put our attention toward the kingdom and be moving in that direction. Uh, the world wants to move us in a different direction and wants us to seek food, drink, the daily necessities, possessions, all that. We live in a world of more, and so this issue is exacerbated and made worse because the world wants more and more and more. And we talked about the way social media contributes to that and just screens in general. I say social media, it's just screens and devices and connectivity and access and availability, how that contributes. And it's very negative because the consequences are devastating of living in this kind of culture and just in this world. But the answer of how we should navigate this is we, we don't play that game. We can't, we can't play that game as Christians. We're playing a totally different game. 
We're doing something different. We're, we're, we're living in different ways. We're serving a different God than the world is serving. And it's going to be far better for us. You will, be, you will be happier because of it. You will be more satisfied. You will be more connected. You won't be as lonely. You won't be as depressed. You might have those issues. You might have those problems that come up. I'm not saying you're, that's going to magically go away. But you're going to be, you're, you're, what you're going to receive is more of the things that you actually need. And so uh, I encourage you this morning, all of us, to just keep this conversation happening. Keep it going. Check in with each other. Support each other. Maybe there's ways that we can establish healthy habits by encouraging each other and just checking in and saying, hey, what are the kinds of things you're doing for your family? What are the kinds of things I can implement for mine? And then just keeping that conversation going instead of hiding that and forgetting about it and secretly going, knowing that all of us are dealing with the same problem but never actually talking about it. That's not helpful. So hopefully this will bring some awareness and help us to put some attention on these things so that we will not be distracted from serving the Lord, and we can attend to Him, as Paul said, without distraction. Um, if there's anybody here this morning that needs prayers in your life, you're a Christian, you're struggling with distraction, um, as we all do, you're not alone, but we're here to pray with you and pray for you, and maybe you haven't yet put attention to those things that are necessary, like your salvation. Uh, if you're here this morning and haven't been baptized into Christ, Seek those things. Seek the salvation of your soul. Get the thing that you really need the most, and that is forgiveness of God, and, and begin to pursue that godly, quiet, peaceable life, serving Him uh, with, with attention and with determination, with intention, with focus. Um, we're here to support you in that as well. So if there's anybody, please come forward. There's no judgment on our behalf. We're, we're only here to help and support and encourage you along the way. So if anybody has a need, please Feel free to come forward as we stand and sing the song that was chosen. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.